1: Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden, of course. I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, I'm so delighted that you decided to join us. You know, we've been having a lot of spring-like weather, have we not? I don't know about you, but there was a couple of nights this week where we had to turn the air conditioning on in the house. I was sweating. It was just warm. And you know, this time of year, this always tends to happen to some degree. Uh, here in the northeastern part of the state, we tend to have very warm weather late in the winter for a few days, and then we'll have a cold night or two. We fluctuate. We go back and forth. And that always brings some concerns to our landscapes because maybe a week from now, with some of the forecasts, we may be down to lower 30s, maybe not quite freezing. We may be back down to winter weather for us. And already you've probably noticed, we've talked about it last week and maybe the one before, but there's plenty of things that are starting to bloom. So, of course, for Scythia, it's going crazy in my landscape. The quints are just starting to bud out. The hellebores, they've, they're really a winter bloomer, so they've been doing their thing. But then there's also those plants that are not just, not necessarily blooming, but they are leafing out. They're providing us with their new spring foliage here in late winter. And what that always does is, with this warm weather, it encourages these plants to start growing. You know, they've had a period of cold, so they think it's spring. But we may have late freezes, late frosts. And that always is a concern for certain things. So be on the lookout for these plants that are leafing out. If we do have a freeze, maybe even a frost, some of that tender growth is just getting going because of this warm weather. Some of that uh, growth might get burned back, frozen back is essentially what it is. And so you might have to remove remove some portions of the plant in order for them to look good again. It's no problem. It's really just a cosmetic thing for the most part. If a plant is putting out its leaves this time of year and we have a freezing event or, or frosty event that they couldn't handle, then they will regenerate that growth. That kind of growth uh, is going to easily be recovered uh, as we get into true spring. But there are some concerns. Anything that's flowering it may get damaged and we've talked before that flower petals on plants are not hardy at all essentially they cannot handle a lot of freezing temperature once a flower bud is opened and starts to bloom and the petals are ripe and mature they they really cannot handle the freezes and so one of the most concerning uh situations is with the blueberry plant if you're growing blueberries then of course you know they bloom early which is wonderful because we can have some some great uh blueberries earlier than certain fruits like apples and pears plums peaches and so we uh have to deal with this situation where they flower early the nice warm weather those buds start getting big they start cracking open and maybe in in february or usually march we have a freezing event and the flower petals get frozen and they fall and that of course can limit and reduce the amount of blueberries that you're harvesting because without a flower to be pollinated uh, fertilized then the fruit will not form and so keep a lookout for that um, probably the most effective thing in the landscape perspective and uh, the home garden uh, for protecting blueberries and other early blooming plants is to cover them with some material, could be cloth, uh, could be plastic. You'll be covering them overnight when the temperatures drop. And the key with covering plants for winter weather protection is to make sure that the bottom of the covering makes good contact with the soil, with the ground below. In other words, draping a small covering over the plant and leaving the base of the plant free for airflow overnight Is not going to be effective because covering a plant it's not the covering itself that protects the plant well I guess it is it's actually what the covering does when the covering touches the ground and is covering the plant in its entirety then it's trapping ground heat that's what we're trying to do when we cover plants so if your covering does not make a good contact with the soil below you're not able to trap the ground heat and wind is able to move any warm, uh, any warmth from the soil. Uh, it's just a, t- just dissipating it right there at the base of the plant. So be sure that when you're covering your plants, it is touching the ground. You may need a stone, a heavy bucket, a brick. If you're like me, you know, you, you had maybe brick built on your house. There's always extra, so there's a pile somewhere. <laughs> so something to keep the covering secured to the ground so that overnight, what heat is in the soil can radiate up towards the top of the plant and keep the plant just a few degrees warmer. Now, of course, in, say, blueberry production, and particularly um, southeastern Georgia and Alma, Georgia, that area, part of the state, there's a ton of blueberries, and so they don't cover their plants uh, if they have these freezing events. They actually use irrigation. It kind of sounds counterintuitive. So they'll, they'll throw water out onto the foliage, onto the buds of the plant. And of course, that water will freeze if it's a freezing temperature. But the process of freezing releases a certain amount of heat. And so you've got to be very specific when you're using irrigation. I, I know uh, people kind of talk about it lackadaisically, like, uh, oh, we'll just throw irrigation out. But it's not exactly, it's more of a science than than just turn on the sprinklers, right? So doing it at the right time when the temperatures temperatures are just right, usually on these freezing events, somebody on the farm is out there maybe all night long monitoring a local weather station that's... that's uh, Uh, positioned somewhere on the the farm and they're watching the temperature as close as they can to make sure they turn this irrigation on at the right time so the right amount of water is applied right amount of water is freezing around the buds so that just a little bit of heat uh, is given off through that process of freezing like i said it's not really uh, too applicable in our home landscapes where we may have a handful of of Blueberry bushes or whatnot, uh, but they do employ certain techniques in these farms uh, that can be very helpful. So with all the winter, with all the warm weather we've had this week, I just thought I'd take a few moments to remind you that it's not spring yet. It's not spring yet. Um, It is going to come in a month or so, I guess. But we've really got to watch the weather. I've been encouraging you to do that all winter long just to keep an eye out for things. And it's becoming more critical this time of year uh, to check out what the weatherman says. Get as accurate as we can uh, with our predictions. But still, just know that there could be some more winter damage to come because plants are trying to grow certain plants are putting out leaves foliage and all that fresh tender growth if it's allowed to stay at certain temperatures uh, for a certain amount of time you may in fact see some some problems see some winter damage so keep that in mind and uh, keep your eye on the weather but today of course is the last saturday of the month this is the shortest month of the year we've only got three more days to go and That means we're answering your questions, and today's question um, is is a great question, something that I've never really talked about much before, Uh, but this question comes from a listener here in in Cleveland. Um, Her name is Kathy. Kathy in Cleveland uh, basically is, is asking, what are some plants that I can grow in the landscape for cut flowers? You know, I'm not a florist. I'm not a floral person, if you will, uh, not in the flor- floral industry. But, of course, all of the cut flowers that um, you find in uh, the florist shops, they do come from horticultural plants. And so cut flowers themselves have been employed in our landscapes and garden spaces for as long as gardening has been around, one of the reasons why gardening is here is because of growing flowers to cut. You know, when it comes to the vegetable garden, we're growing plants so that they produce a fruit or some portion of their uh body the 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 stems uh, like with rhubarb and swiss chard uh, leaves foliage like your lettuces and cabbages uh, of course tomatoes squashes watermelons we're growing those for fruit and so really growing cut flowers you have you're growing a productive garden you are growing a garden that will be beautiful When it comes to growing flowers to cut and harvest their uh, leaves and stems, well, flowers and stems, Uh, but they are very productive spaces because you want to ideally uh, grow plants that are going to be robust, vigorous, flower heavily. That way, when you harvest them, you can make beautiful bouquets to bring indoors. Uh, maybe you're growing for a small farmers market. Maybe you've got a, a shop at a farmers market, and growing cut flowers could be a great way to 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 um to make some revenue to sell. You know, fruits and vegetables, sure but also cut flowers, but really there's probably no other greater joy than growing cut flowers that you can harvest, bring indoors, look at them on the table in a vase, in a vase, (laughs) and say, I grew those. There's a lot of satisfaction there. And so gardeners over the millennia, for thousands of years, have been growing flowers, growing plants for one reason, and that is to cut the flowers off the plant and bring them indoors, using them as these cut things we call cut flowers. And so I don't really think we've ever talked in detail about cut flowers. I don't think we've talked to, to any degree um, about what kinds of flowers are easy to grow. That's where I'd like to start, what's easiest to grow, um, and of course maybe what crops Or what types of flowers can I grow throughout the year to extend my vase life, to keep that vase full of flowers? One example uh, this time of year is to grow those hellebores. I've encouraged you for years now to grow hellebores, Lenten Rose, because of course they bloom when nothing else really is. Uh, You can think about perennial plants like hellebores that you plant one time and year after year for many years, not forever, but for many years, this Particular plant will produce flowers for you that you can cut and bring indoors. Um, then, of course, there's, there's even shrubs, right? So certain shrubs or maybe small trees that have stems full of flowers. I mean, redbud, the redbud tree will be blooming soon. And, of course, they will be loaded with stems with these uh, pea-like purple Sometimes red, sometimes white, flowers. And naked stems, no leaves on it, just a stem that is full of flower buds. That could make an interesting arrangement. And in the shrub world, my first thought always goes to hydrangeas. Hydrangeas last long in a vase. They've got strong, straight stems. And of course, they're blooming in the summer. But even though they're, they don't bloom forever, you do have that summer look with any hydrangea. And so... Uh, From perennials to trees to shrubs, be thinking of that. But today we're going to be thinking about some annual plants. I want to start there because annual plants, these are those plants that are going to come, um, they're going to come, uh, be planted in the landscape or in your cut flower garden seasonally. They only last for one season. So we basically here in the South have two seasons of Uh, annual flowering plants. The first season we're going to talk about, of course, is going to be spring and summer, the warm season. We've got plenty of plants, numerous plants, uh, annual plants that can grow in our heat and grow in our warm summers. And then the next season of cut flowers that you can extend your uh, cut flower garden with is into the winter season. That's going to be the cooler season. And there are plenty of annual plants that don't like it hot at all. They would rather have our mild winter weather uh, and maybe early part of spring, uh, late part of fall, where it's still kind of warm but not unbearable like it is in, say, July or August. And so you've got two good seasons. Ideally, you could keep your cut flower garden beds full of annual flowers all throughout the year. So be thinking. When it comes to cut flowers, growing plants that we're going to remove the flowers from, I can use a number of things. Annual plants seasonally, summer and winter. Perennial plants that bloom at their given time. Shrubs, trees even. We can make our cut gardens look great and spectacular. When we get back, more about cut flower gardens. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the New Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our contact us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, this morning I'd like to thank uh, Kathy here in Cleveland for sending us a message about growing cut flowers. Uh, Sometimes they're referred to as specialty cut flowers. And, of course, like we talked about in the first segment, growing growing plants that flower heavily for the sole purpose of removing those flowers to enjoy indoors is as old as gardening itself. Our gardening ancestors have been doing this for thousands of years and I think we should encourage and continue to do so because of course the beauty that flowers provide aren't just enjoyed in the garden attached to a plant but they can also be enjoyed indoors detached from a plant. So uh, this morning I'm going to talk just briefly about some of the characteristics you may be looking for uh, when it comes to cut flowers. And then this may have to be a multiple part series. We may have to talk about this for a couple of weeks because I do want to talk about some of the easiest, um, some of the easiest annual cut flowers to grow, uh, how, how to grow them, some of the varieties that work great for cut flowers and uh, how to maintain them they'll just like anything we grow folks there'll be pests there'll be weeds there'll be problems so we want to uh, give you as many tips as we can to encourage you uh, to get out there and keep your cut flowers looking spectacular so when it comes to plants that are suitable cut flowers um, or produce flowers that are great for cutting we we want a few characteristics first of all probably the Maybe the most important is their vase life. How long will that flower last once it's removed from the plant? Remember, cutting a flower off of a plant or any part of the plant, uh, what happens to that cutting is that it has no root system attached to it anymore. It has no life support. It has no no real way of pulling up copious amounts of water. You can get a little bit of water movement by putting uh, these the cut ends um, in a vase with with a shallow bit of water there. Uh, But there's no root system to keep the, the, the plant turgid, to keep the leaves full of water, to keep them from not wilting. So as soon as a plant is removed, or as soon as a cutting is removed from a plant, uh, we do need to get it into water as soon as possible, probably cool it down, maybe even put it in shade. When you're harvesting your cut flowers, uh, these flowers are going to need to be not left out in a basket or a bucket without water in full sun. We probably need to bring them in piece by piece directly into the house where uh, the temperatures may be cooler and... transpiration which is the process of the plant losing water is slowed down so some flowers uh, some plants with their flowers they are very good at this of course things like peony peony is a perennial plant we've talked about it before plenty of times they're going to be blooming soon enough probably next month starting and so they uh do they got thick waxy leaves and so they actually work really well as cuttings uh the hydrangeas will if if you're able to keep them um surrounded in in moisture so we can kind of reduce their water loss uh at least surround the stem in moisture i should say um and then of course on the annual side of things uh plants that um, are only going to be in the garden for one season per year, like zinnias. We're going to talk about those in more detail for the rest of the show. Uh, cosmos. They have thin, dainty stems, tiny foliage. They don't tend to lose a lot of water very quickly. Um, snapdragons work very well. Sweet pea. If you can get sweet pea to grow in our area, they got to time it just right. Uh, but there are a number of plants. So look for, for plants that have... Uh, a good ability to withstand being removed from the mother plant and the root system. And as long as they can last in a vase for a, maybe up to a week's time, maybe five days is enough. Uh, how long do you want to enjoy your flowers? The answer is probably as long as I possibly can. Uh, but, you know, up to a week is, is a long time for. Uh, flowers to be showing off in a vase and of course the flora industry has created products which helps increase their vase Uh, they call them preservatives so you add a preservative to the water uh, that helps all of the flowers whether they naturally have a good vase life or not uh, it will help most plants last even longer so if you're really getting into cut flowers you probably want to do more research on uh, preservatives to add to your vase Um, The other thing, the other key characteristic that's going to be critical when we're talking about uh, cut flowers is strong, straight stems, long stems, strong, straight stems. Of course, we don't want stems that are weak and floppy because once you put those weak and floppy stems in a vase, they don't stand upright. They sort of just lean over. With um, With that being said... Uh, The the reality is that you are going to be looking for varieties of these plants that naturally have been bred uh, with strong, straight stems, um, or you're going to find plants that just already have strong, straight stems. Going to your local nursery um, and looking at bedding plants when it comes to, say, zinnias. We're going to talk about those, but zinnias. The bedding zinnias are usually more compact. Their stems are shortened, and so uh, they really don't last long uh, or make a good demonstration in a vase, should I say. So you do want to look for varieties of certain plants that have been bred or selected, cultivated in a way to give you those strong, straight stems so they stand upright and look awesome when they're on display on a table in a vase. now I'd like to start talking about specific plants that are going to be great cut flowers. And they're easy. They're basically introduction to cut flowers, if you will, because these are plants that are going to fall into a category known as uh, cut and come again. So that is if you have a small space, if you're limited for space and you can't grow a whole lot of flowers, um... Or maybe you don't want to do a lot of planting. So one route to take in the cut flower world is to have an initial planting and then start some seedlings about the time you plant your first crop, maybe a month um, after those have, have been planted. And that way, when those flowers have bloomed out, you have new transplants to put in their place. So you have a continual harvest of cut flowers. But some of these flowers are flowers that just don't stop Blooming, and that's a wonderful characteristic to have. So, come and cut and come again flowers. One of the biggest groups of plants that falls into that category are zinnias. Some people say zinnia, and I sort of say zinnia, but anyhow, it's the same plant. Uh, Zinnias are annual plants. They are going to be loving the hot weather, and so they're going to be great candidates to be planting soon when the danger of frost has passed now that may be april uh, and, and you can continue to plant once frost has, has passed so if you don't get to it first thing you can do it in may june and you'll still have a, uh, a a great selection of flowers to choose from they will still bloom if you will now zinnias will need about 60 to maybe 70 70 days until they're ready to be harvested so from the day you start your seedlings say you want to get early you want to start early And so you're seeding some Zinnia seeds inside the house or in a greenhouse or sunroom. You can go ahead and do that now, really, uh, the beginning of March, maybe as early as middle of February would, would be a great time, because you need about four to six weeks for the plant to germinate and get up to a certain size before then it's transplanted into the landscape. You just don't want to do it too early so that you have these lanky uh, plants that haven't been, uh, you know, receiving a lot of sunlight because they're growing indoors. And so be sure with zinnias that you give them a just about four to six weeks head start if you want to. Otherwise, once the danger of frost has passed, you can pop them into your planting bed. If, if, if you want to start the seed, you can do that probably sometime in April. But the idea of zinnias is they, they really say summer. They are a summer bloomer. They're not going to bloom early in spring. They need that 60 to 70 days. And so with all that in mind, uh, when your uh, blossoms start blooming, when they start blooming, uh, you're going to say it is summer because it's going to be hot. So zinnias come in a range of colors. We'll talk about some varieties. But you get brilliant colors. You get pastel colors. You get these odd forms that we'll discuss later. They're super easy. And that's why I wanted to spend the rest of the show talking about zinnias. And then maybe next week we'll bring in a discussion on some other types. So after this break, we will talk more about growing zinnias in your cut flower garden. Hang on tight.
0: Green is some fall.
1: So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we have been talking all about your questions. Really, it's one major question today. Uh, Kathy here in Cleveland sent us a message asking about what flowers, what plants can she grow that make good cut flowers? And I think it's a wonderful thing because, of course, as we've already talked about, Growing flowers for cutting and bringing indoors has been around since gardening itself. The beauty of nature being brought in inside is a wonderful thing. Um, So for the rest of the program, we'll be talking about one particular plant, and then maybe we'll have a series. I think, Mr. Producer, this is going to turn into a series of discussions about different plants that are easy. Uh, There are plenty of cut flowers that maybe take some advanced care and, and techniques, but zinnias zinnias you may remember those i remember my grandmother would plant zinnias um they are super showy they have a ton of petals many of the varieties have a ton of petals uh kind of thinner petals uh but a bunch of them and so they they make these huge round discs if you will just chock full of color you get brilliant colors with zinnias they come in almost every color you can imagine except maybe true blue so purples for sure and shades of purples reds and shades of reds pinks for sure coral color as far as pinks are concerned yellows bright sunny yellows and uh, pastels as well oranges is a big color for zinnias so really you get a rainbow of colors and when we talk about certain varieties in a few minutes i'll mention some of the colors that you can can get with these um, zinnia mixes but they are a good candidate for the cutting garden because they last a while in a vase. And they do. Certain varieties in particular have strong, straight stems that are gonna keep them upright and perky when they're on display indoors. So as easy as they are, they do come with some issues that we'll need to talk about. Uh, powdery mildew is one of, the, one of the worst things that you may uh, get with zinnias here in the South. Powdery mildew loves cool, Uh, kind of wet conditions. And unfortunately, we tend to have the cool and wet in our early part of spring. So with that in mind, um, you do want to plant zinnias when it's warmed up. Zinnias absolutely love the heat. They love sun, but they do not like the cold. They, They resent the cold. So making sure that the average not the average but making sure the last frost has passed is going to be critical uh as i said uh, before the break if you are growing starting your zinnias from seed indoors then you would do so about four to six weeks before the last frost. So then you can pop them in. But if you plan to plant them outdoors, make sure the last frost has passed and that the, the soil is warmed up. We'd like to be in at least the 60, 65 degree uh, mark if we can. And that may be even two or three weeks after the last frost. So easy plant to start from seed. Uh, you can, of course, go to your local garden center. We've got some zinnia seeds at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. And we also uh, will see them in other garden centers, box stores, and whatnot. Zinnias are uh, numerous (laughs) and readily available. So they're not hard to find because you can start zinnias from seed, and it's probably the best way to do so. Uh, They're relatively cheap. They're relatively cheap to start and to grow. All you need is some potting mix and a few containers, and you can start these indoors, or you just need a good, well-draining, but... uh, Fertile garden soil, and you will have a great condition uh, with zinnias. As I mentioned, uh, zinnias love the heat. They love the sun. Um, If they receive six to eight hours of direct sun a day, they will be perfectly happy. As with anything in the south, um, you could give them a break from the extreme late afternoon sun uh, if, if you can. But they don't necessarily need that. They can handle more than eight hours of direct sun. But anything less than six hours, um, you'll get some blooms, but you're not going to get as much blooms as you would in a full sunny site. So whether you start your seedlings indoors or whether you plant them in your garden directly from seeds, we do want to space zinnias about a foot apart, about a foot apart, Uh, you can plant them in a row and space them a foot apart, or you can do a double or triple uh, row, just being sure uh, that you keep individual plants one foot apart from any other individual plants ideally if you were to grow these in a in a flower bed you would probably not want a bed any wider than three feet now that gives you the opportunity of spacing two to three rows maybe within a three foot space Um, anything wider than three feet is really hard to manage because you do need to be able to reach in uh, and pull weeds uh, maybe mulch Uh, you've got to attend to the plants if you have a big block Of zinnias planted it's going to be hard to work in the center of that so long thin three foot wide rows uh, is going to be a very productive setup uh, for getting the most flower power that you possibly can so the idea uh, of their soil condition is going to be like i've already mentioned well fertilized (laughs) you do want a healthy vibrant soil it's not a bad idea uh, with any of your cut flower beds to incorporate up to two inches or more, two inches would be kind of the minimum, but two inches or more of some well-rotted compost, manure, some kind of organic matter, Rotted leaf litter, uh, whatever it takes to bulk that soil up with organic matter, your zinnias are going to love that because they do want moisture. Uh, zinnias will wilt pretty quickly and sometimes they will wilt in the middle of the, a hot summer day just because uh, the sun is bearing down and that wilting is sort of a response to uh, protecting as much water loss as possible. Uh, but if your zinnias are wilting well into the evening, after the sun is set, then it's probably time to water. I would definitely be sure to uh, water the plants regularly, maybe once a week without rain in particular. Uh, Get about an inch of of water on them. Uh, Ideally, you would use a soaker hose down at the ground and just saturate the soil at their their little zinnia feet, their roots. Um, Spraying water with an overhead irrigation system or some kind of sprinkler Uh, that you may find in the box stores or hardware centers, that is going to put a lot of moisture where the plants don't need it. It's going to put a lot of moisture on the leaves. And sure, it will drip off the leaves onto the soil. But keeping water on um, plants that you plan to harvest flowers from, keeping water on their buds, on their petals, on their leaves, is never really a good idea. It's never a good idea... uh, to have water on any plant's leaves because that opens up the possibility for disease problems. So when it comes to watering your zinnias, the best and most tried and true idea, yes, you'll get rainfall. There's nothing you and I can do to stop rain hitting uh, plants' foliage. But if we're in control of the extra water we give them, let's make sure it's through a drip irrigation system or a soaker hose that is exuding water right at the soil level and not adding any extra moisture to the foliage. Uh, but like I said, if we have decent, <laughs> I hate to even say that, if we have decent rainfall in the summer, which <laughs> we can't ever guarantee that, right? Uh, if we go through a drought or something like that where rain is a few far in between, uh, we do want to have a plan in place to keep those plants full of moisture so that they can keep producing flowers the great thing about zinnias is being a cut and come again type of flower the more you cut the more they bloom so another maintenance concern is not allowing any spent flowers a spent flower is a flower that's already lost its uh prettiness right flowers that are fading flowers that are turning brown even drying out that plant or that particular flower will start to produce seed. And you may want to save some of the seed, but do that from flowers that come later in the season. So allowing spent flowers to remain on the plant slows down the production of new flowers. So deadheading your flowers are going to be critical. Now, if you are harvesting uh, your zinnias for vases and maybe giving away as friends, or if you're selling them at a farmer's market, then you will be regularly harvesting them, encouraging them to produce more and more and more flowers. But if you only occasionally harvest flowers, then you will surely have plenty of spent flowers, and those must be removed because they will put all of their energy into making seed. That's the strange thing about plants, just like all life. Uh, All life forms, whether it's cows, chickens, uh, dogs, humans, uh, plants... For sure, do the same thing. They reproduce. And so reproduction is their main goal. And once they have reproduced, they don't have a need to produce any more flowers. So telling the plant uh, you need to keep on trying to reproduce, and you know, you're not setting any seed, that's going to encourage them to keep flowering. And that's what you want to do. Um, so with that in mind, you could also successionally. Plant your zinnias. Now, what that means, and we usually use this word succession planting in the vegetable garden. Because for some things, like, say, determinate tomatoes. Determinate tomatoes, they produce their uh, fruits, their to- the juicy tomatoes. They produce them all at one time. And then once those are harvested, the plant is done. So, you may have some plants on ready For when those are done, you replace them. And so you're creating this succession of blooming. If you'd like to extend that kind of zinnia season or with different varieties, you can successionally plant them uh, maybe every two to three weeks. So go ahead and have a stash of seedlings ready to go um, so you can get even more flowers in. And you can plant these zinnias well into the summer as long as they stay moist and can get established. So of course, when it comes to um, I think that's all the notes here for how to grow them. Uh, disease issues, pest issues, uh, you probably, maybe Japanese beetles will become a concern. So if you're trying to do this organically, uh, look for insecticides maybe that are working. To Do the, the traps, do the Japanese beetle traps work? Well, not very well. Uh, sometimes they work, they will definitely catch some of the, uh, the pests, some of the beetles, but it tends to attract them. It tends to attract them, right? So there's a bait inside these traps that attracts these insects, and some will succumb to the trap. They will fall in, and and they will die. Uh, But others just are brought closer to wherever you're trying to grow them. So if you use a trap, maybe don't put it near your zinnias, but put it on the other side of the property so that they don't uh, see the zinnias first thing. Um, Of course, in the chemical world, there are plenty of non uh, inorganic, non-organic products uh, that will work for pest and disease. Like I said, the powdery mildew is going to probably be a problem. So looking for plants that are disease resistant or resistant to powdery mildew uh, can be a good concern. Making sure that the leaves on your plants don't stay moist is going to help prevent powdery mildew. Making sure you can have some good airflow between your plants so that when leaves do get wet they dry off quickly with good airflow so there will be some battles some concerns some pest issues uh, but for the most part zinnias are relatively super easy and especially some of the varieties that we're going to talk about today Uh, i know we're coming up on a break but that's where we're headed we're going to be talking about tall cutting varieties of zinnias that last a long time they'll be grown in the full sun and many of these have been around for a long time. Um, some of them are newer and they're gorgeous, they're beautiful. Uh, so, we're gonna talk about a range of colors and varieties when we get back from this break we've got a lot more to talk about when it comes to zinnias but we're not talking about cute and compact zinnias we're talking about monsters we're talking about tall plants plants that could be up to 36 inches tall or so so when we get back more about growing zinnias for your cutting gardens hang on tight Well, gang, today we're talking about growing zinnias, that sun-loving, summer, heat-loving flower. They do not like the cold weather, and of course, warm weather is just around the corner. So, we're talking about growing zinnias from to, to produce cutting, flowers for cutting. Don't know what I'm saying. So, of course, these plants are going to be plants that you can grow in the landscape, that you can harvest. They're flowers on tall, straight stems. You can make beautiful arrangements and bouquets with them. I think this is going to become a series because we've got plenty of wonderful plants that make awesome cut flowers. And zinnias are just one of the first I would start with and one of the easiest to grow. And you know what? During the break, Mr. Producer, I forgot to tell the folks the secret. The secret to growing these long-stem zinnias. I overlooked it in my notes, so I need to tell you the secret. I gave you all the tips about uh, watering them, planting them. But the secret to growing these long stem zinnias is pinching. Yes, pinching the plants back. So when your plants become about 18 inches tall, snip out the center flower bud. Snip it out. Because what we're looking for is a well-branched plant that has branches lower on the stem and that will make them taller and that will make them straighter you will have longer stems if you pinch out that middle bud so 18 inches when the plant becomes 18 inches tall snip out the tip and you will have a nice well-branched uh zinnia plant with long tall stems so what we need to talk about now before uh, before we wrap up today's program is the different varieties some of the best varieties that you could grow for uh, cutting uh, zinnias now like I mentioned before rushing out to the nurseries and garden centers the zinnias that they usually sell there are going to be great for compact bedding plants So some of those zinnias may only reach 18 inches at their maturity. But when you're looking for um, tall, strong, straight stems, we need to look at some other varieties. And like I've said before, these kinds of varieties, even though they may not be sold as plants in a nursery, you may find them in a packet of seeds somewhere for just a couple or three dollars. One of the first that I would start with if you're new to growing zinnias and you want to have zinnias in your garden for cutting would be Benary's Giant series. Benary's Giant. Benary's Giant zinnias come in a range of color. It's a mixture. Now, you can buy them online uh, at certain seed um, sellers as individual colors or you can buy them as a mix so i like to go with the mixes myself because i like all the colors you know and you may want to grow more than just one specific color but you surely could do that so with that in mind um, the benares giant are really some of the largest flowered varieties in the zinnia group Um, As a matter of fact, they're not just largest in flower size, but they're also largest in plant size. Some of these zinnias, some of the Benares uh, zinnias can reach four to five feet tall. So you can imagine the straight strong stems you will have on a plant that size. And most of these have a high percentage of double flowers. So of course, some zinnias are not doubles, uh, which refers to the number of petals they have. If a zinnia is a single-petal zinnia, you will see just a, a, a couple rows of petals maybe, and you will actually see the center of the zinnia with the yellow, stem, uh, yellow um, anthers and stigmas and all, all the sexual parts right there. You will see the yellow center. But if uh, you are growing doubles, like the Benares giant uh, mainly has, then you will have a uh, flower head just full of petals, and you won't see as much of those yellow centers. Now, some of the colors that Benares giant comes in include uh, salmon, rose, coral, orange, giant white. There's purple. There's all kinds of colors when it comes to the Benares. They are just chock full of a variety of colors and Benares has a good disease resistance. That's one of the critical things we've already talked about is making sure we're starting with a variety that doesn't succumb to disease very readily. Now, another series of Zinnia that I love is called the queen series. These of course have great long stems, long lasting vase life and good disease resistance. They're checking off all of the boxes. Now there are a, uh, a variety of colors now in the queen series but one of the first that came out was called queen lime and the petal itself is sort of the color of a granny smith apple granny smith apple green um, medium sized flower heads but they still have strong sturdy stems now uh, that the queen Zinnias have been developed even more we see things like queen red lime so we still have that granny smith green but we also have a uh, splash just a mashup of sort of this purple and rose color the queen series is well known for its lime color and so since it opened, we're seeing a variety of colors now, uh, sort of an orange and a peach color with these lime centers. It's just a, a mashup of lime and some other bold color. And so because they have these good disease resistance, long vase life, the flower is medium, not maybe as large as the Benares Giants. But still, when you cluster them together, you have a beautiful display. Now, there's a strange uh, uh, mix of zinnias called scabiosa, scabiosa flowered, and it's sort of a flower form. Now, the scabiosas have this frilly double bloom uh, that sort of looks like a mini Gerber daisy or if you've seen the double flowered cone flowers. They have their ray flowers that shoot out to the left and right and right in the middle is sort of this fuzzball of petals. And they do, if you're familiar with scabiosa, um, which is um, pincushion flower, it's a good perennial, um, it has that kind of flower form where there's broad, wide petals at the base, and then right in the center is going to be a cluster of these frilly, uh, really fluffy Uh, type petals now they come in a variety of color Uh, many of the scabiosas are sort of a sherbet tone mix we've got scarlet um, gold orange yellow definitely some of the pinks and some of the reds some of the pale colors too uh, like pale pinks and whatnot Um, but the scabiosa flowered mix it just has a strange and unique flower form that i think you'll love it i absolutely love it myself now another Plant That really works well for um, cut flowers are the cactus style flowers. There's a mix of, of, of color you can find there and some are uh, secluded into just one kind of color like the uh, senorita. I love the Senorita. I grew it years ago as a kid. I wasn't too successful, but I am going to give Senorita a try this year. It's a very uh, nice sort of coral, but the idea with the cactus flower type zinnias is that they've got a twist in their petal, and so they do look like a cactus flower, if you're familiar with those, sort of a twisty petal, petal, not smooth and not very broad, Um, but between benares and the queen series the scabiosa and some of the cactus style you're going to have a great offering for cut flowers as far as zinnias are concerned. Well, Kathy, thank you for your question about cut flowers. We'll probably continue talking about this in the weeks to come so you can enrich your garden and your table inside with some beautiful flowers. Well, folks, for WRWH 93.9 FM and New Southern Garden, my name is Nathan Wilson. I hope you stay well and grow well. Give it a go this weekend. Take care.